All right, guys, a little after 9 o'clock on Tuesday night, and I wanted to just hop on for a second and talk about these poll numbers that just came out and some of the key races here in Rhode Island. Very interesting stuff there. Um, first of all, thanks to all of you that listened to the Sabina Matos episode this morning. You may have noticed the audio quality is below what it typically is here on Bartholomew Town. That's because I'm going through some IT troubles here. In Bartholomew Town, some computer issues. Spent more time in the Apple Store than I recommend anybody spend in that place. But um, actually, kudos to them. They're doing a good job, and, and hopefully we'll have that resolved by next week. But these poll numbers that came out. Now, this is uh, this is the first poll of the season, the first real poll. There have been some ridiculous things floating around on Twitter that are, well, first of all, there's been push polls conducted where candidates conduct the polls and, and really frame themselves as highly favorable and all of their opponents generally as pretty unfavorable <laughs> in sort of the leading questions. Um, so those are out there. I also saw some ridiculous poll that, that was clearly you know, either made up or, or a very specific group of people answered uh, that somehow put Paul Rihanna and Ray Herrera, the two renegade candidates, uh, decidedly in the lead of the governor's race. But let's not even, I don't even know why I mentioned that. Honestly, it's so irrelevant to this conversation. Today, though, a real poll, and this was conducted by Joe Fleming, Fleming and Associates. Look, he's the top pollster in the state. All right, he's been on Bartholomew Town. He'll continue to appear here on the podcast throughout uh, political season. Um, you know, he, he's he's a tremendously talented pollster. And we'll admit, look, a lot of times these these polls miss the mark. Well, not a lot of times, but they can miss the mark. But there's also a science to this. Um, this poll was conducted by... 12 News, WPRI, along with Roger Williams University, and again, conducted by Joe Fleming. And here's the, here's the results. Let's just go through them. The governor's race, all right, again, with a, was it 4.9% yeah, margin of error. McKee, 25%. Secretary of State Gorbea, 23%. Now you drop down 7% from Matt Brown. Helena Bonanno Folk, 6%. Dr. Luis Daniel Munoz, 2%. 37% undecided. Now, folks, that is... Th th this race comes down to, to, to two people, but one category, right? As of right now, and again, look, Helena Folk's just rolling out TV ads this week. Nobody knows who she is, all right? She's got a long way to go. We've talked about this before when I was breaking down the first debate. So that's 6%. That's going to go up. But how much is it going to go up? How far behind the, the, the leaders in this race is she at this point in reality? Not just the 6% you're seeing here, but just sort of like the, the, the smell test, the vibe test. You think she may drop out? I'm not sure. Look, if she, if she gets to a point where it's looking like she's going to turn up in an actual primary election with 6%, 9% of the vote, if it gets to that point, and we're talking July, August, you might see her drop out. But she's got the money. She's got the infrastructure. She's in terms of, of support and personnel in a lot of ways. 6%. She drops out. That 
that that six percent doesn't automatically go to Gorbea, but it definitely helps Gorbea's cause. Now Matt Brown, I don't know what's going on here. You know, seven percent. You know, <clears throat> I, I just I just don't even know what to make make of it this year. Um, in this race, it's an entirely different way of positioning his candidacy than it was when he was com- competing against Governor Mundo in ostensibly or realistically a two-way race in a, in a previous gubernatorial primary. And Dr. Munoz, 2%, you know. Um, so that's that obviously the margin of error could cancel out where he is. But I'm, I'm mostly interested in this, the 37% undecided. How many people are actually paying attention to politics at any level? Like, I, I don't know. Like, th- there was a time where, for sure, obviously through COVID, but even before COVID, you know, you walk up to anybody on the street. I don't care which one. You know, let's say Thames Street and Newport or, I don't know, Thayer Street and Providence or whatever. You know, go stand outside a stop and shop in Wyoming, whatever it is. Wyoming, the uh, the village, not the state. Go stand outside of, 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 any, of any public place and, and ask them in 2017, who's the governor of Rhode Island? I mean, what, 70%, 80% of your answers are probably going to say Gina Raimondo? How much is that now with even Dan McKee? Or secretaries, who's your secretary of state? How many people know secretary, the secretary of state is Nelly Gorbea, realistically? Now, how many of those, that total group of people are voting? That's the next question. Then you break it down to this poll, this small sample size. But you turn up with 37% of undecideds. How many of those 37% are undecided because they have no idea who these people are? Versus, you know, oh, geez, you know, I, I, I love, you know, I love this about McKee, and I, but I love this about Matt Brown, and, you know, and I like this about Gorbea. I, I just can't decide. I think these, these 37, for the most part, need to be looked at as people who have absolutely no idea who any of these people are. Absolutely no idea probably who we, who if you ask them who the governor of Rhode Island is seriously so there th- that is to be considered as well so going forward you know name recognition is not what it probably typically is there's the post covid post trump etc politics malaise in general right now i i really believe that now the people who are engaged they're more engaged than ever and people are into news, but the nuts and bolts of politics, I think that's a lot of that 37%. And I think that bodes very well, possibly for any candidate, maybe even including folks, maybe including Matt Brown, where they could expand their support, not simply by name recognition, but by delivering, here's who I am and here's what I believe in. Because my gut is that, again, most people don't know who these people are. And if they do, they don't really don't understand their story, their background. They may, may have heard something like, oh, yeah, McKee, he was, uh, you know, he became governor when Gina left. But how many, you know, does everybody even know that? So it's it's an interesting time right now to look at that 37% undecided. I think that that's, that's where this thing is going to play out, obviously. I mean, that's like an elementary level of analysis, but it's. I think more so than than a typical year 
educating people who have no idea what's going on or very baseline level of what's going on and bringing them into your camp. Who's best equipped to do that? Right? Folks has got the money. Matt Brown's going to appeal to a certain group of people that may not even vote at all. If not for someone who they can believe in as whether you want to call him the Bernie of Rhode Island. I mean, whatever, whatever, however you want to put it. Um, <clears throat> Nelly Grobea, same thing, you know. What kind of likability factor, you know, and, and what can McKee do as governor here to to get more people in this state that are going to vote, that are going to talk about this in his in his world to understand, first of all, who he is, and second of all, what his priorities are, so on and so forth. So it's going to come down to messaging, and barely anybody's advertised, right? I mean, th this poll takes place before any significant advertising has taken place outside of the Republican, Ashley Kalis, you know, in terms of TV and radio. Now that that's, that's going to ramp up, and McKee hasn't even had an official campaign announcement yet. So it's there's a lot of reasons to say, hey, look, that 37 percent undecided, they don't undecided because they don't know what's going on. Probably 32 percent of them. That's where this thing is going to move and shake. Uh, looking at the lieutenant governor's race, we've now had, uh, and by the way, all of the candidates for all these offices will be. It, hopefully, we're going to have a number of different formats for each of the races and candidates. But you should be, if you haven't already heard in recent times, you'll be hearing from all or most of these uh, candidates that we discuss on the podcast for in-depth one-on-one interviews. Lieutenant Governor Race, Sabina Matos, again, she was on the podcast today, 21%. Um, Deb Ruggiero, 13%. You know, the Middletown State Representative, who also was recently on the pod, um, I think she sets herself apart on in terms of policy on her advocacy for for elders. I think Mato sets herself apart on her advocacy for housing. I think that I said on I know I said on a lively experiment a few weeks ago that if you take the generic and again I don't I think some people find this perhaps as as un, um, an uh, unfortunate evaluation. But I think there's a lot of voters that, uh, you know, you go on a statewide basis. They see the, they have no idea who these people are. They see the last name Matos. They see the last name Mendez for Cynthia Mendez. And they see the last name Ruggiero. And uh, they vote for the more European-sounding name. Okay? And I think that's a horrible reality. But I think it is a reality for a lot of the uninformed voters. By the way, 53% undecided voters when it comes to lieutenant governor's race. They have no idea who these people are. They have absolutely no idea who the lieutenant governor is. Or they might have heard of her. They might be able to identify her in, in a pinch. They have no idea who these people are. And look, lieutenant governor... We saw that race in 2018, the Regenberg-McKee race. You know, Regenberg dumped a bunch of money into his into ads on like the last day. I'm talking six figs in the last day, during the last day, to try to make that big push. 
Now, Matos has obviously got the, the best position to navigate reaching people on a statewide basis, given that she's the incumbent lieutenant governor, given that she has the type of network that she has uh, built in that role, obviously in Providence as the former council president. Okay, obviously through family, she's very well connected inside of the Democratic Party. Um, but, uh, you know, Deb Ruggiero has the endorsement of, of Speaker Shikarchi. Again, running that campaign with a large focus on caring for elders, so on and so forth. Um, Cynthia Mendez, again, it's interesting. She's able to garner six, uh, pardon me, 12% uh, in this poll while Matt Brown's only able to get seven. Where's that other, uh-oh, math. 5% going that Mendez gets that Brown doesn't. Is that going to Gorbea? Is a little bit of that going to Munoz? Is a little bit of that going to Undecided? So that's interesting. But 53% undecided in the lieutenant governor's race. That's gonna, that's that's a that's basically a draw at this point. Matos 22, Ruggiero 13, Mendez 12. And how about this? The last one that comes out. The uh, Congressional District 2 Democratic primary. How about this? Now, again, big undecided number, 50%, 5-0%. But Seth Magaziner, 33%. Treasurer Magaziner, 33%. The next closest candidate. Someone who's going to be appearing on Bartholomew Town in the next couple of weeks here is David Siegel. 5%. Joy Fox, who was just on B-Town, 4%. Sarah Morgenthau, I don't even know she's been in Rhode Island for more than 15 minutes her whole life. Who's, who's heard of Sarah Morgenthau? She gets 4%. Cameron Moquin, 1%. Who is this guy? I mean, I, I, do, I know who he is, but, but, but who, who, who is this guy? What's he doing? Who, who is Cameron Moquin? Seriously, I mean, what what is going on here in this race? You got Omar Ba, Doctor Ba, point four percent. Omar was the first guest on B Town season five earlier this year, and someone that I, you know, I certainly know through through the political and and activist world here in Rhode Island. Um, but point four percent again, ah, jeez. You know, I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be accusational here and su and and suggest that you know um, the the ignorance or xenophobia or racism uh, that's out there is larger than it actually is because I genuinely believe the the people of Rhode Island to be by and large just just totally by and large totally. Um, good people, open-minded people. But I also grew up here, and I grew up in rural western Rhode Island in, con in Congressional District 2. Omar Ba, because of his name alone, I'm sorry. There's this chunk of voters here and, and 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 quite frankly, you know, it, it's 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 the reason I got out of here for ten years is because I was. I, I know these people, you know, 
they're out there and there's a lot of them that are going to say oh just reading that name he's going to be dismissed so it's an interesting situation there with magaziner at 33 percent and look the 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 headline event you know the the pay-per-view matchup is magaziner fung and i i think that in a debate context that's going to be really fascinating um, Alan Fung was just on with uh, Valicente on, on Channel 10 on 10 News Conference. I listened to that thing. Um, he was on Sunday's episode. And look, you know, he's keeping it vague. He's trying to position himself as a moderate, um, so on and so forth. But that would be, that will be fascinating. But David Siegel, I, I kind of thought he was going to be looking closer to 10%. I got to be honest with you. I, I did not think that Seth Magaziner... I mean, he's the only name that any, that most anyone has heard in this group, for sure. But I, I, I thought Magaziner was going to be in the 20s, for sure. But I thought Siegel had more momentum. And that's that perception thing of being in Providence. And, and you know, I know that, that Siegel has a lot of progressive support. And I know he's got certain influential musicians and others that are not necessarily formally endorsing him, but are sharing his materials and, and so on and so on and so forth. So um, I, I kind of thought that he was going to be a little bit bigger. But when you look at Siegel and you look at Mendez and you look at Brown, and if you want to put Munoz in there too, across three different races, and you talk about true progressives in this state, Cynthia Mendez with 12% in her poll, Brown with 7% in his poll, Munoz at 2 and then Siegel with 5%. You know, the particularly progressive voice is not even coming close right now. Not even, not even a threat. And uh, not, not even worth the attention of, of necessarily any sort of counter-advertising at this stage. And that's surprising. You know, the, gr- the ground game of the progressives that, that helped propel them to many local victories here in Rhode Island in 2020, uh, that would need to be quadrupled down upon at minimum to boost the name recognition of these these various candidates. And because of the fractioned peer groups, um, you know, cliques, organizations, superstars, etc. in Rhode Island progressive politics. I don't know if they're going to be able to work together. Oh, this guy's in the co-op, but this guy's not. You know, Dr. Munoz believes in this, but, you know, so he's not allowed to be, we're not going to campaign for him. You know, uh, well, you know, there's a disagreement about this, that, and the other background scene. Five years ago, this person didn't let me speak at this protest. That All that kind of nonsense is going to kill the progressive movement because the only way they're going to make any type of move on the more established candidates here those being Matos, and at, she's she's the closest to being in jeopardy, but still not still not majorly so. But Gorbea McKee, maybe folks, and Magaziner is going to be a complete all-in, jointly organized progressive strategy that, by the way, could backfire. So I'm not so sure that David Siegel wants to be attached to Matt Brown and, and Cynthia Mendez and maybe vice versa. 
So that's that's where these polls are at. Again, wicked early. Nobody knows who these people are. It's all about the undecided. I'm surprised, you know, and how many people, you know, how many of these people that were polled, and it'll be interesting, Joe Fleming is actually going to be on with Dan York tomorrow. Um, we, we were able to book him to kind of break down this poll, so tune in at 3 o'clock on the radio on, on 99.7 AM 630, and I'm going to have Fleming on pretty soon here on the pod. Um, not specifically on this poll, though, but I'm I'm, I'm interested to see like the, the some more data points behind the poll, and you know where does this go in a month, and does anybody drop out? You gotta think. I mean, if you're polling in this congressional race at one percent, you gotta go, man. I'm I'm sorry, and I hate to say that because there's still a lot of time. But Cameron Moquin, I mean, I'm looking at this guy. I don't even, I think he reached out. I'm actually pretty sure that they reached out to come on the pod. And it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, no, no offense. I mean, I'm happy to have every candidate on. And this is, this is an open invitation to any candidate that wants to come on in a, in a statewide race, you know, in a, including the congressional race, you know, something like that. Um, or even beyond, you know, we're, we have a lot of local candidates on. We're going to have some some Providence City Council candidates on scattered across the next several months. You know, we'll have the local, the big local reps on. You know, I want to hold like, some forums. You know, you look at District 9 and what's going on there. And I think that's that's of interest to a statewide audience, sure. Um, but Cameron Moquin running for Congress, I mean, I like what's going on there? You got 1% of the vote. Or one percent of the uh, the polling approval, or what have you. Um, and Sarah Morgenthau, you know, she's the one who remember they did a, a questionnaire in the Providence Journal a little bit while a little while ago, where they were asking you know candidates very Rhode Island oriented questions. One of the questions was, you know, describe the Door Rebellion. You guys remember this and then Sarah Morgenthau basically copied and pasted or or she submitted an answer that was basically if not completely identical to the Wikipedia article about the door rebellion <laughs> you know so I guess they have a summer house here or whatever the Morgenthau's I, I don't know I don't remember I should say I did know at one point I didn't, it didn't stick with me I'm surprised Joy Fox hasn't caught on more but you know what I think Magaziner you know, he wanted to be governor. He, I mean, he told me here on the pod and, and so on and so forth that he he was happy to run for Congress. I don't believe that. And how about that? If there was a deal, not a deal cut, that, that, that sounds inappropriate, but if there was an agreement made between Helena Folks and Seth Magaziner, at least in terms of their people, that Folks is going to run for governor, Magaziner is going to run for Congress, what would this, what would this, uh, this polling data look like? There's a question. To leave you guys on what does this polling data look like if Seth Magaziner doesn't run for Congress what does this polling data look like if Seth Magaziner doesn't run for Congress and he's in the gubernatorial race and he's not in the congressional race who is there as the Democrat the Shikarchi move a little bit further into possibly running probably not um, does Bob Walsh jump in? Does, is it one of these lesser knowns that somehow, because no one's known, you know, there's, there's a huge, there's a bigger pile of undecideds and it's, it's going to be a, 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 you know, photo finish type of situation. 
What if Magaziner doesn't get in? By the way, there's a fourth Democratic candidate for lieutenant governor. Larry Valencia announced last Friday that he's running. He's the former state rep from, uh, what was it, like Exeter? Somewhere in Washington County. Larry Valencia just got into the race in the Democratic primary. He's running to abolish the office of lieutenant governor, taking a page out of Bob Healy's book. Um... Yeah, I'm just looking at the numbers one last time. I want to thank you for joining me here on this uh, this evening session, on this beautiful evening here in Providence, Rhode Island. I am using a different setup for, for the podcast right now that's a little bit silly, going into my iPad, and you guys don't really care about the tech, but hopefully we'll be back online fully by next week. And I look forward to it. Coming up tomorrow on the Bartholomew Town Podcast, we'll have Jocelyn Foy of the Women's Project. Really interesting and important conversation about the scope of things on a, I guess, a national level with what's happening with, with the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade, as well as on a statewide level in terms of action that's taking place here this week inside the General Assembly. Um, and then later in the week, a conversation with a small business owner on inflation, an Aquinnick Island small business owner talking about what inflation is doing to impact them and why small business, a major component of Rhode Island's economy, obviously, um, is, is hit hardest by inflation. So especially in Newport where, you know, we, t- we get into the housing crisis, which is very, very problematic there, as I've discussed ad nauseum. Um, you've got employees of this small business, which are who are, by the way, not that this should indicate whether someone has housing or not, but they are they're properly compensated and so on. You know what I mean? It's not like it's a business that that is that's doing well and has an employee base that is paid well. They can't live anywhere near the business. They can't live on Aquinnick Island. They can't find a place to live. So they're driving from a million miles away, paying gas, paying bridge tolls. Um, on top of that, you know, just the overall inflation that's taking place is adding and exacerbating the 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 strain on their wallets. Now, the small business owner, as you'll hear, makes some programmatic adjustments on their end, but I'm sure most business owners aren't being so generous. So that's coming up later in the week as well, um, plus uh, whatever else happens if there's breaking news. Okay, everybody, enjoy the rest of your evening and um, talk to you tomorrow morning for the Women's Project episode. Bye.